This program's about the impossible. There's a good chance that you believe in the impossible. In 1967, Dr. George Wald won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. Dr. Wald said, When it comes to the origin of life, there are two possibilities, creation or spontaneous generation. There is no third way. Spontaneous generation was disproved 100 years ago, but that led us to only one other conclusion, that of supernatural creation. We cannot accept that on philosophical grounds. Therefore, we choose to believe the impossible, that life arose spontaneously by chance. This Nobel Prize-winning scientist rejected the science that God had to be the creator of life, the only possible explanation for you. Me, I'm a Christian because I don't believe in the impossible. Stay tuned and let's explore the universe as it really is. I'm Paul and this is C-Y-K-I-A-E. At the end of my last program, I raised the issue about what was happening in America with police stopping black drivers compared to white drivers. It's one of the most frequent points of contact between authority and white people and black people. So is it true what the young journalist at the New York Times said to his boss, the editor-in-chief, Dan Baquet? I just feel like racism is in everything. It should be considered in our science reporting, in our culture reporting, in our national reporting. Well, the statistics on police stopping cars driven by white and black Americans don't show anything like that. The figures from the Cato Institute research undertaken by Emily Eakins showed that higher income black Americans were pulled over at 1.5 times the rate of higher income white Americans. And there are not that many in that category, so this isn't happening a lot of times. But while lower income black Americans are only pulled over at a slightly higher rate than low income white people. And that obviously is what mostly happens. So let's dig deeper into what evidence there is of racism or no racism in America. We all know that President Donald Trump and his Republicans are a major roadblock to ending racism in America. Giant racists, as if there was a Trump Towers hotel on the road blocking the end of racism. That has to be right, doesn't it? Look at what's happened in the past few years. The Republican-governed states, red states... Democrat states are blue states, have led the way in criminal justice reform. But that surprises you. Oklahoma, Georgia and Idaho have been quickly releasing prisoners and reforming their criminal justice system for the better part of a decade. Supreme Court judge and Donald Trump appointee, Justice Neil Gorsuch, had consistently delivered judgments that have eased the severity of the criminal justice system. President Donald Trump's first Step Act saw nearly 3,100 black prisoners released from jail on Friday, 19 July 2019, after the death of George Floyd in 2020. On 29 May 2020, South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham announced that he was seeking proposals to improve policing and to combat racial discrimination regarding the use of force. His action was followed up when the only black Republican senator, Tim Scott, introduced a police reform bill. 
That bill was killed by the majority Democrats, the opposite side to Trump, to make it perfectly clear for you. The fact is that there isn't much argument on either the Democrat or Republican side about the need to improve things. This is not what systemic racism would look like if it existed. It's the opposite, and systemic racism doesn't exist. Derek Chauvin, the police officer whose knee was on George Floyd's neck, had virtually no people defending his action. The worst states and cities for blacks are Democrat-run cities like New York, where the public schools are the most segregated and where the educational outcomes for minority students are the worst in the whole of the United States. That was shown in Grace Chen's blog, Public School Review, of 14 November 2019, with the title, New York Schools Are the Most Segregated in the Nation. The cities that the Democrats have ruled for decades, Detroit, Cleveland, Baltimore and Atlanta, are the ones that have the worst outcomes for black children and black lives in the form of crime and poverty that persists from one generation to the next. The Miami Herald of 30 November 2018 published an article called White Liberals Patronise Minorities While Talking, But Conservatives Don't. The article was based on research findings that it's the white liberals, the most woke people in the country, if not the world, who are the ones who talk until you are bored numb by their endless rabbiting on about racism whenever they open their mouths, and they're the ones who dumb down their language when speaking to black people. That is a particularly nasty form of racial stereotyping. Conservative people talk to blacks as if they are intelligent human beings, on the same level of evolution as they are. Do you know what intersectionality is? It's another one of those bewildering battery of words that the Marxist left used to confuse you, so that you can't argue that what they're saying is the nonsense that it is. So I'm going to tell you, because I've looked it up. So, intersectionality. The left love words that most people have no idea what they mean, including most of them. Like dialectic materialism, that's a beauty. But rather than talking about that stuff first, let's remember the basic choices that you have before you worry about the Marxist ideology. Christianity says that God made each and every one of us in his own image. Everyone wonderfully unique. As Dr. George Wald told us at the beginning of the program, science tells us that the only way that there's life is because God created it. He refused to accept that because he didn't want to. If you go with Dr. George Wald and pretend that there's no God, then you believe you are just a clever ape. And that's at best. Marxists who come up with the ideas like intersectionality, like I told you in the last program, believe that you're completely worthless except as a meaningless unit in a large class. Everything that the left does is inconsistent with everything else it does, but that's another story. So it's best to think of one left idea at a time. Otherwise, you'll find that it doesn't work with any of their other ideas. So, again, intersectionality. That idea was the love child of Professor Kimberly Crenshaw. In her July 1991 paper published in the Stanford Law Review, called Mapping the Margins, Intersectionality, Identity, Politics, and Violence Against Women of Colour. The usual Marxist thing, until the arrival of Kimberley, was that everyone belonged to one box based on your sex, your race, your class, your sexuality. 
This works on the assumption that everyone in each of the boxes is exactly the same. Seriously. So think about another person of your sex that is the polar opposite of you. You know someone like that. If you've just thought of someone like that, then you're never again going to be able to believe that every person of the same sex is the same as every other person of the same sex. It's just stupid. Even for someone who believes the impossible, that there's no God. Kimberly then said, Aha! But there are some people that fit into more than one category. Now, I'm sure that Professor Kimberly Crenshaw is a whole lot smarter than I am. But that's obvious, isn't it? Let me explain. You can't just be black. You have to be a woman or a man too. As a Christian, God, the designer of everything in the universe, tells me in the Bible, Genesis 5, 1-2, when God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. So this is the Christian program, so I'm going to go with the original two sexes. Apart from them, you're going to fall into other categories too. You have to. Basics are that you're either oppressed or an oppressor. Everyone in the world fits into one of these categories. Honestly, I'm not making this stuff up. So Kimberly worked out that some people are going to fit into two or more oppressed classes. And therefore, the suffering of those people is going to be oh so much worse than a person who has only one category of oppression. So a black woman is going to suffer worse than a white woman. Hmm. I guess if you're a white woman and you've got all of that white privilege, you're going to be closer to being a white privileged man. Well, of all this Marxist stuff, of putting all of humanity into a few categories, is necessary because Marxist theory, well, he didn't come up with it. It's been kicking around for a few thousand years now. It isn't any good. People have been trying to make communism work since Plato wrote The Republic in 375 AD, 2400 years ago. And every time it's been a disaster. 100 million people died directly because of this really bad idea of communism in the 20th century. Crenshaw's word, intersectionality, made it big time in 2015 when it was included in the Oxford Dictionary. Congratulations, Kimberly. Ashley Judd at the 2018 Oscars red carpet gave another boost to this word, intersectionality, when she said... Well, that there will be no more abuses of power because there will be no more asymmetry of power. There will be total gender parity, 50-50, intersectional, inclusive, diverse, differently abled bodies, everybody equally employed, that there would be pay equality. I hope you understood that. I, I heard the word intersectionality. The rest was bleh. As the theory of intersectionality blossomed like green algae on water and found its way onto the lips and the fingertips of every woke person in the world, science was killing it, showing that it was phony. The Quarterly Journal of Economics of May 2020 published the study Recent Economic Opportunity in the United States, an Intergenerational Perspective. It blew up the idea of intersectionality. It found that white black men earned substantially less than white men from a similar economic background, but black women earn slightly more than white women with about the same social and educational background. Black women 
are also more likely to go to college than white men from a similar background. And it just keeps getting worse and worse for the fans of intersectionality. Daniel J. Hopkins and Samantha Washington from Michigan State University published their study in 2019 that had been intended to prove that the intersectionality of black women emigrating to America suffered horrific outcomes. I mean, how many boxes of disadvantage did these women tick? Only the result wasn't what Daniel and Samantha had hoped for. Their study was called Gendered Segmented Assimilation, Earning Trajectories of African Immigrant Women and Men. The results didn't turn out at all like the Marxist theory told us it would. That's a long way from being a first. It was probably with a heavy heart that they wrote, the double disadvantage that would predict that black African women would be disadvantaged by the interaction of their race and gender. Our findings indicated that black African migrant women experienced no racial disadvantage in their earnings. The outcome was worse than that for the Marxists. The income growth rate of African immigrants in the United States had risen faster than men and women born in the United States. Everything keeps contradicting the Marxist theory of intersectionality. All of your negative differences are seen by the left, like being a woman, being black, should all compound and make your life unbelievably miserable. Because the left believe everyone in each of those categories is exactly the same. The left always views people as being awful. Karl Marx, the daddy of the left, repeatedly expressed the thought that man exists only as a representative of the interests of a definite class and has no existence as an individual. But we're all individuals made in God's image and given special gifts. Rev Aurora, in his article, A Peculiar Kind of Racist Patriarchy, which appeared in Killette on 22 December 2020, wrote that white men often do worse than women of colour. That's what the Marxist theory of intersectionality, as well as feminism and other Marxist isms, all get wrong. Rev said that according to the most recent census data, Iranian, Turkish and American women all out-earned white men. Daniel J. Hopkins and Samantha Washington, our friends from Michigan State University, published another study in Public Opinion Quarterly, entitled The Rise of Trump, the Fall of Prejudice? Tracking White Americans' Racial Attitudes, 2008-2018. to Since we know, thanks to the majority of the media telling us every chance they got during the four years of Trump's presidency, that he was the most racist president America had ever had, and so with the deplorables that put him into office, and his leadership would now crush all the blacks, Hispanics, Asians, and everyone whose skin colour wasn't white, except for the fact that their study found, via most measures, white Americans expressed anti-black and anti-Hispanic prejudice declined after Trump's political emergence. What was going on? So the consensus in America is that there is nothing short of a full-on agreement for the first time in history about the importance of ensuring that there is racial equality. So in this environment, it is just plain misleading and dishonest for the media and the woke folk to be screaming hysterically about America being a country that is rotten to the core with racism, precisely at the time when that is clearly no longer true. Thanks to the media and the woke folk flooding social media, many Americans, especially the young, 
who have been indoctrinated by left-wing Marxists for the past few decades at schools and colleges, say that that is the biggest problem in the United States, racism. Right now, both sides of politics in America are on board with combating racism. The media is creating racism. The woke folk are creating racism. The biggest problem in America is dealing with problems that exist mostly in democratic-controlled states and cities. Problems that the left-governed states have sat on for decades of intergenerational poverty in inner cities and mass imprisonments. The question is, why has racism suddenly become an issue? Why did the news media of a nation that was finally overcoming the greatest scourge of its history of racism suddenly become obsessed with that scourge and with deceiving the public about the fact that it had been pretty well overcome? How did an endless culture war develop over racism? What kind of white supremacy exists when the remaining few white supremacists today are utterly marginalised? And more importantly, how did Americans become convinced that they're living in a racist white supremacist country, even as they and their neighbours and family members and friends abandoned their racist views? You'll find out the answer to that in my next program. Thanks for listening into this program, CYKIAE. If you missed it, you can catch up with it as a podcast on my CYKIAE, Spotify, Apple, Google, and many other podcast sites. I'm Paul. Don't miss my next program because you're going to love it. I want to thank my ghostwriter, without whom this program would definitely not have been possible, the Holy Spirit. Maybe you could catch up with me at my church, the Gafcon Northern Hope Anglican Church at the Cairns District Junior Estedford Hall, 67 Greenslopes Street, Edge Hill, some Sunday at 9am. If you liked this program, you should listen to my other explosive program, The Danger Zone, also available as a podcast on those same sites. Search Danger Zone, bracket DZ, close brackets.